Welcome to Spirituality Isn't Woo Woo with Amy. I'm your host, and this is episode 13, All Things Conscious Relationships. Today, I'm going to speak to Beck about what a conscious relationship is, old and new paradigms in love, and lots, lots more. Let's get into it. All right. I am so excited to have Beck on. I met Beck in a container with Sam Daly, which was absolutely amazing. We learned some amazing stuff. And I knew that once I was going to be talking about relationships, that she was the chick that I was going to ask. So Beck is a self-love and relationship coach, and she is currently studying psychology. Welcome, Beck. Hello, Amy. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be on here with your audience. Yes, I'm so excited. And like I said, I knew that that part of spirituality for me, so spirituality for me is all about self-transformation and self-development. It's like the whole self um, and, and working on the whole self to, to obviously better ourselves. And so part of that is our relationships. So I knew that once I was going to speak about relationships, that I really liked your vibe. I really liked how you fused psychology and spirituality and that realness. So welcome. And yeah, did you want to say um, anything about what you're currently doing and um, your coaching and yeah, just what your current path is? Yeah, so I guess currently I do have a program I'm working on kind of behind the scenes. I was about to launch it, but then uni took over. So yeah, like you said, doing psychology has been absolutely amazing to integrate with all of the coaching at the moment. At the moment, I'm just doing one-on-one coaching and opening up a few spaces, but hoping to jump back on the group coaching sometime soon too. Amazing. So what made you want to study psychology? Is that something that you've always wanted to do or that um, was on the cards after school or just a journey that's evolved through this process of just learning and developing more into who you are? Yeah, it's definitely evolved over the years. It was probably really only in the front of my mind about 12 months ago. And then I sat with it for a good eight months to I really decided I wanted to do it. And I think that was just to completely evolve what I was doing in the coaching space. I could help everybody so much to a certain level. And I just wanted to go be able to go that much deeper with my clients. So that's kind of where it all came from. Because as much as I love all the spirituality, I just think the science is so cool and like we was talking about before like when it comes to like mm-hmm. regulating your nervous system and all those things it's something that we definitely need oh I could literally talk to you for two hours about all of this <laughs> <laughs> regulating the nervous system and we were talking about triggers and all these different things which I'm sure we'll tap into in a moment so again welcome and I just thought that I'd start with this whole conscious relationship you know I think that it's a real kind of buzzword or it has evolved especially like with Gwyneth Paltrow when she got divorced she was very much saying we had a conscious uncoupling and it kind of created this buzzword so what what to you is the definition of a conscious relationship yeah I couldn't agree more I feel like it's a buzzword that we use a lot but the definition or the meaning behind it isn't quite clear to everybody so to me I feel like a conscious relationship is when we're creating a 
of someone intentionally. So two people are showing up. And I think this is important because we ultimately teach people how to treat us. So being conscious enough to know what your triggers are, what your wounds are, how you feel, how you want to be loved, what your boundaries are, what your non-negotiables are, and then being able to communicate them in a loving way, but also being able to hold space for your partner who may need to communicate all of those things back to you as well. So it's accepting each other for who you truly are and where you're currently at as well, because I think sometimes we can have hard conversations and then get annoyed because the person isn't necessarily at the same level we're at. So it's really holding that space for them to, yeah, be able to communicate where that they're at as well. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And, and this is obviously something that more of, I guess, for a lack of a better way of saying it, but just kind of like more evolved people. So people who have put a lot of work into themselves and, wanted to personally develop themselves in the relationship because it's not something that a lot of people are aware of. No, definitely not. Like I think to be able to do this, it does take it does take being able to be emotionally available. It takes being able to be open and vulnerable with another person, giving each other quality time and patience to be able to create that safety in the relationship, to be able to express yourself. Like it's also not something that's going to happen overnight because so many people shut down, push people away or completely go off the handle and react to things. So to kind of grow in a relationship if you're already partnered with someone, there's a lot of patience that has to be involved in it as well. But yeah, I think people that have done the inner work and are really into self-development that come together, they're the people that are people that are able to really have that conscious relationship without trying for say. Oh, totally, totally. And I guess it's one of those things where you can work together so even if you as a female or a male so let's just say as a female you're someone who's worked on themselves and you've tended to some of your triggers and some of your traumas and wounds and you've taken accountability for your actions and um you have a partner who maybe isn't there yet so Mm -hmm. you can i guess work on yourself and start to really show that your partner that you're evolving and changing and that tends to be something that your partner will start to adopt because they can see the growth in you oh a hundred percent like I think the way we act and like when I'm talking to somebody right um something as simple as saying sorry first even when right Mm -hmm. and by doing that what you're doing is you're taking responsibility for the role that you played you're taking responsibility for whatever's happened but then you're opening the door for the other person to take responsibility say how hey how they feel as well where when we have like stubbornness and no one will reply and everybody's like stuck in their egos you don't even allow the chance for that to happen and activated Mm, yeah, 100%. I guess like one thing we can talk about yeah. I think before you can even get to the point of being able to communicate that way is usually you have to work through the trigger first, like when you're in those deep conversations and they are really hard. It's like, okay, I need to take space first and work through that trigger even before communicating because sometimes yeah. we don't realize what our unmet needs even are. 
Oh, totally. It's unconscious. It's in the, it's in, it's unconscious because it's something that we maybe learned when we were children and we put a mask on and it's become our shadow and we, we are unaware of it. And we're going around our life with this mask on that we're sort of not accepting a part of ourselves or, oh, there's just so much to it. And that's so true what you said. Just taking that moment to just reflect and why am I feeling like this? Oh, 100%. Like asking yourself when you get triggered, like how did you react? Or like what stories did you tell yourself in that moment? Because everything that happens, we make a story up in our head. It's all filtered. But not even like just what, what what's the story? It's like what am I then making that story mean? And how am I feeling? And then I think like some people do that, but there's like another part to it that we forget to ask ourselves as well. And that's what am I needing at the moment? And really uncovering what those unmet needs are so they can be communicated in a conscious way. Oh, totally. That's so powerful. And I think a lot of this content is going to help people that, that don't quite understand this process and, um, and just taking a moment, like you said, to feel, why am I feeling like this? And, and also offering, you know, asking your partner, what do they need in this moment? A hundred percent. And I think um, one of the biggest things is before having these conversations is asking permission. So asking your partner if they're actually open to having a hard conversation now or at a specific time and remembering that if they do say later, then that's fine too, because we have to honor their need for space as well. Oh, so true. And I, you know, and, and uh, my, myself personally, I can actually reflect now and think with my, with my husband. And when we first met, I'm very much a, I want to talk now person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, and he, I want to sort it out, like, and not fight, but just talk it out. I'm not a fighter, and he's an avoider, and so he doesn't want to talk about it. He's just like, "Yep, cool, like that's fine," or just let's just sweep it under the under the rug. So when we first met, we would actually have these huge fallouts because I was like, "I want to talk," and he was like, "I don't want to," and so I was like a ch- two year old child having a tantrum. Like, I want to talk now. <laughs> and he's like, no. And he'd fall asleep. It and happens I to the best of us. Fire in me. Like, you are going to wake up right now and we're going to talk about this. And I see it now and it's just like, how funny that I thought that that was okay. I thought that because I wanted to talk that that's what should happen. Yeah, and that happens a lot when we have like an anxious attachment and then the other person's an avoidant and they keep avoiding and then more they do it, the more we're like, give us attention, give us the answers and the more they keep pulling back. It's a vicious totally. circle. Totally. So I can laugh about it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess for for people who who possibly are single and they are really wanting to attract a conscious partner or for lack of a better word, we'll say conscious, but just meaning someone who's aware and someone who takes accountability and someone who's able to reflect. What would you say, how can someone create a partner like that or seek a partner like that? Or if they're in a relationship with someone and they they want a little bit more of that from their partner, how do you see that people can create that? 
I think honestly, it comes down to leading by example. Like I know how easy it is when you want to have a conversation or you want to get a certain answer or you want someone to tell you how they feel, but they're not opening up or they're just not giving you that. And like for someone that like can be quite anxious when they're triggered that way, then like all you want is control over that situation, right? So the biggest step I think when you're trying to have those conversations is to realize like why do you want control and why why do you want to move at this pace or asking yourself like all those really those really like deeper questions and asking yourself why, why, why to try and really get to the root cause of why you're trying to control the situation because when we're triggered and we're not talking consciously and we're reacting that's usually one of the number one causes is we're just trying to control the situation because there's so much uncertainty and we just want to grasp the answers but I guess to like circle back and answer the question um if you want more of that in your life like you have to be like manifestations all about being right so Mm. who you practice to be is who you become and it's who you attract so if you don't want a relationship that is super reactive that people shut down in and no one talks about things you need to talk take the lead first on how you communicate and that could be as simple as I like to call them I statements so when we like say to someone like you're doing this and it really hurts me and you made me feel this way what we're doing is we're giving all of our power away to that person and that like and just by using that sort of language and that can be really harmful because we forget that everyone's an individual everyone goes to work and everybody has their own problems going on so most people are just trying to make themselves happy and keep their energy levels up and be in a good mood day to day without someone else giving their power away and making that person be the sole reason for why they aren't happy. Mm. Yeah, so we have to like create, I guess, a space where we're taking responsibility for how we feel. So in saying that, that's why I like to say use I statements because these statements take away the element of blame. So like, for example, I could say, I felt really hurt when you did whatever it was and what I made this mean was, can we talk about that? And that gives the person the opportunity to go, hey, that was never my intention or, hey, it wasn't meant to happen like that, or it definitely doesn't mean that at all. But when we assume what things mean and blame other people, that's what really like take, takes away from the relationships. Mm, totally. So powerful, isn't it? Yeah, and it's even like as simple as like saying like, oh, you go out every weekend, you're always hanging out with the boys, I never see you. Like that's all like a very, a language where it's like very blaming, but Mm -hmm. like you could say something as simple where you're taking responsibility is, Hey, I feel really disconnected for you from you Mm -hmm. (laughs) and taking responsibility and opening the conversation rather than coming up with all these reasons and making them mean all these different things when there's kind of not really a need for it. (laughs) No, totally. And I, I love that because it's something that a lot of us do and, it takes time for us to, and and lots of growth to be able to get to the other side and look back and go, oh, it's just not helpful, is it? And 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 I guess in society, just seeing a lot of these TV shows that come on, like um, 
you know, I'm not even going to name them because there's so many of them, but just so many of these shows that you see such toxic relationships and how people talk to each other and blame each other. And it's just kind of the norm. And yeah, yeah and it's just really powerful when we're able to take responsibility, as you said, and reframe the way that we take responsibility for saying, as you said, when you go out, um, you know, I don't like to go out, why, blah, 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 instead of I feel disconnected from you and it hurts me, my feelings, or just taking ownership for your feelings instead of projecting a reason as to what else it could be. Yeah, and I feel like this all comes from learned behavior, right? And it comes from different generations of what, what, um, how love was shown to other people when they grew, grew up and then their parents displayed those behaviors. Like, absolutely adore my family and love them to bits. But like, I know for me, like, there was a lot of yelling in my house when I grew up because my parents didn't know how to consciously communicate so it was always very abrupt and it was in like a very flighty um kind of way so learning to communicate for me like I've been great the last few years but I, it was never always this way I could I never always just took responsibility for how I felt a lot of the time I used to shut down withdraw I'd have like my ex come up to me and be like hey like what's upset do you want to talk about it and I'd be like no leave me alone because I had no idea how to express my feelings without like yelling at him or you know yeah totally totally and I think it's like a rite of passage, not a rite of passage, that's probably the wrong way to say it. Because I was actually going to ask you about, I suppose, like the old paradigms, because you touched on that with your parents, mm. the way that people showed, you know, show love. But just that old paradigm of the way that, I guess, things are, quote, quote, you know, under um, air quotes of how things just are versus the way that things are becoming and the new paradigm mm. that people are because you are hearing this, you know, conscious relationship and it's very much um, becoming a, a buzzword, but it's also something that I'm hearing in uh, the community of spirituality or coaches and, and different people. So what would you say? So the old paradigm, you know, with yelling and not taking accountability or you know, just many other things it could be, what would you say the new paradigm is or the paradigm that you would like to see us evolve into? So I feel like this is a really tricky question, mm. but I, the only reason is is because dating is um, now compared to years ago, and even to like have a conscious um, relationship and communicate with someone that way, I feel like it takes a lot longer to build trust these days. And I'll explain that a little bit more because that's probably random to say, <laughs> but so <laughs> I forget what the exact heard this on a Jay Shetty podcast so it's a pretty reliable source <laughs> but if you go back like 50 years ago right statistically people in my grandparents generation they were more likely to marry someone within a 50 kilometer radius from where they lived which honestly like that's not that far I think that's like no. a like a 40 minute drive yeah and my grandma and pop, right, they um, both have like a lot of siblings off the top of my head. I think it's like 13 on one side and nine on the other. So what's really funny about that is when we talk about like back in the day, they used to marry within a certain radius. My grandma, who's married to my pop, 
her sisters are married to two of his brothers. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. Well, it's just crazy because they all lived in a small country town, so they didn't have dating apps, obviously, because that's the new age. Yep. So it was easier for them to meet people who they were directly around, whereas today um, everybody has different intentions and it's so easy to meet a new person within minutes, hours, at the swipe of a finger. So it changes the game, right? <laughs> totally. And I And I couldn't even honestly contribute to this conversation because I've never you know used anything like that because I've been with my partner husband for about 12 years mm. that that was around but it was like a little bit more online versus uh like websites versus like apps and instant you know connected through other apps and all of that but I imagine that there's just a whole different paradigm in in just this day and age with social media Oh, definitely. And look, I definitely see the benefit in it because sometimes you can like outgrow your circle and you want to connect with more like-minded people. And it's a great platform to use and meet people that you haven't met outside. However, like I do think for like your audience that's like dating and trying to meet people and build these really beautiful relationships, it can be a numbers game sometimes. Everybody has different intentions, which means that, like, not everybody you talk to you're going to be able to have relation with. And that's why I say that I do think it takes a lot longer for that trust to grow, to be able to have those conversations and to be able to navigate. Oh, totally. And I have a lot of friends who have met partners on these apps and a lot of successes as well. So mm-hmm. as you mentioned, like there are a lot of benefits, but there would also, as anything, there's a, you know, polarizing sides. There's going to be a positive and a negative type of angle to it. So yeah, there would be a lot of, um, it's just different. That's all. It's just a different way of being. And um, unless you're in it, you wouldn't really understand. Yeah. And I guess like the difference to what we're talking about before about like where the communication difference is from like 50 years ago to now, like, I just think like I had actually had a conversation with my parents about this the other day. Um, I'll tell you a story. I got triggered because my dad, um, he was meant to be helping him move something and and then he like yelled at me to come help. And I said to him later, I was like, it really triggered me when you yelled at me because like I'm like I'm not a child anymore like don't yell at me and then he explained to me that like when he grew up that's how his dad always spoke to him and he'd had a long week um driving trucks and he was just really exhausted and that's why it came out that way but it was good to be able to like sit down to him and be like hey I was really triggered when this happened and I guess this is like a good example of these conscious conversations if you want to practice them don't just practice them with like your partner or your future partner or someone you're dating practice these conversations with your parents practice these conversations with your friends like I know one of um, my best friends we always ask each other if we have the space to for us to like emotionally dump on each other if we want to like mm-hmm. go on a tangent about something rather than just calling them up and being like oh my god so it's practicing <laughs> this with everybody oh i i love that that's really that's a really good um like a post-it to put on, <laughs> to post it to put on your mirror honestly like that is so true if we could speak to everyone like that 
the world would change. I mean, we, the world would be a better place because we are showing those different generations the way that we are communicating and it's helping them to grow. And even if it's only being able to communicate to family or whatever, it's just, it's powerful. And it's, as you said, it's not coming up with, as you said, with the other um, example of, I don't like that you go out, but I feel disconnected and using that powerful language, um, it, it creates connection. Oh, hundred percent. Like um, me having those different conversations with my parents, I have such a closer relationship to them now compared to when I was in high school, which is like going back 10 years, but, <laughs> but you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. when, when you're in that like childhood mind state. Oh, so I, I'm going to remember to, to pass that on. That's, that's really powerful. Mm. Um, so another question I wanted to ask you was for people that, want to I guess single people so single people out there that want to create a relationship that's this new paradigm so say they've dated people in the past and um, maybe not the right people or that was toxic um, and they've gotten out of those relationships and they're wanting to seek a relationship I don't want to use the word conscious again but just let's just say relationship there that is worthy of them um person that's worthy of them what you what could you say that someone could do to start to like manifest I suppose or create that person that they want to attract so I think for this right so I always used to say to my clients like have a picture of who you want to be with write down the characteristics you want them to have and how you want to be treated by them and what you want them to be like and now instead of just sitting there and manifesting that through a cross reflection and write where you do all of those things because if you're not showing up in that way um then you can't really expect someone else to but if you're also not showing up in that way then it's going to be really hard to attract somebody else that is like that because more than likely they're going to be attracted to a person similar to them as well so sometimes we have this idea of all these things that we want and we're trying to call it in but we're not being that within ourselves and that's why it's not coming to us i seen it on um do you watch maths no i don't uh married at first sight um i just seen a really great example on it i don't know the couple's names because i've only seen a few episodes but one of the girls on there she really wanted somebody that was emotionally available she wanted them to be vulnerable and she wanted them to open up to her and to be able to have these deep conversations anyway they matched her up with the most perfect man like oh <laughs> like his emotional availability and vulnerability is like up there he's got game and when she when she um, got with him and everything, he started opening up and being all of these things that she wanted, but she couldn't handle it. She wanted all of these things, but she actually wasn't emotionally available herself. So then what she was doing was pushing him down, telling him that he wasn't being a man because he was being vulnerable and then putting him down. And I just couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God. And then that's when I had like another realization there. I was like, she was like really trying to call in something that she wasn't herself. So of course, then it's like not going to work out. Well, yeah, he was a mirror. He mm. was a mirror and he was reflecting back all the things that she's not. And so that creates, it's kind of like that shadow. So 
you know, that's why a lot of times things bother us about people because it's a side of ourselves that we've not accepted mm-hmm. or that we haven't yet evolved. And, um, and yeah, that's, that's amazing that you're able to have that. You're literally having learning about behavior while you're watching a TV show. It's pretty <laughs> <laughs> oh I feel like on like all those dating shows like Married at First Sight and Bachelor and all of that it's just so easy to pick up I'm like oh my god <laughs> and it is okay to like reality tv <laughs> you have to be something I watch um okay so let's go on with a few more questions I have for you so I wanted to also ask with I suppose your growth like and your uh, journey how would you say that you've evolved along this journey of self-love and relationships as you've started till now and the journey that you've that you've come across so far yeah like um I guess I'm like super transparent about like my previous relationships maybe not like in the last like maybe 12 months but maybe even even before that so maybe even like as early as two years ago I would remember that I would get stuck in a place because I would be trying to pursue someone that wasn't emotionally available but what I didn't realize was I was pursuing that because deep down it was keeping me safe because it meant that I didn't have to communicate or I didn't have to really express how I felt. So it meant that I was getting a benefit out of it. And sometimes we don't realize that these things that we don't like, so, oh, he's so, he's not emotionally available. I don't know why we're actually like getting something out of that. It's like an existential kink. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I think like through my growth, I had to realize that I was pursuing those relationships anyway, because I thought that they would come around, or I thought that they would change or that I would grow on them, whatever it may be. Um, but in the end, all that happened because I was pursuing something that um, was never going to work anyway all I felt in the end was that I wasn't lovable that I wasn't worthy enough pretty enough smart enough all the things whatever the story is but the truth was that it had nothing to do with me it was just as simple as the intent for that person in the first place was never to get into a relationship and they kind of made that pretty clear to me but I decided I liked them and wanted to keep pursuing it anyway so it's so so um I guess vital in dating to know kind of what actions you're taking and why you're doing them because you can kind of set yourself up for failure in the end as well oh exactly exactly and I know that your story that you've just shared is common I've heard it many times with um with you know thinking that someone's going to change or that I'll you know they'll change their mind and they'll want to be in a relationship or um, I suppose just attracting avoidant men because we're avoiding our own emotions. Mm. So yeah, it's that's so, huge. Yeah. And it's so unconscious at the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, definitely. I, I would have like back in the day before I did like any of the work, I definitely didn't know it was something because of me. I just thought like, Oh, like, why doesn't he want to be with me? Or it's obviously something to do with me, not really realizing I was just pursuing something that was never going to work anyway. Yeah, that's so amazing. Um, thank you for sharing that. I think that just being able to share these stories, 
people can hear and see themselves and their pasts. And it just normalizes that we all kind of go through the same things, especially when we're growing up and evolving. Yeah. And it like, and it's hard, like, it's not easy to like, I guess, like really like someone and go, okay, it's obviously not going to work because these are all my needs and they're not willing to come to the table. So I kind of have to end it. Like that's, that's not an easy thing to do because sometimes the person hasn't really done anything. They're just maybe emotionally not available and it's not what you need in a relationship. Yeah, you can you can care for someone or even love the person, but you're just in two different stages or you just don't match up your needs and values. Yeah. And that's okay. And knowing that and realizing that is just that's where the the meat of meat and potatoes of, of the whole thing is is if you know that you that you're more worthy, you're worthy of more than just settling for someone who isn't is almost enough or um, you know, has the same values, but not all of them, or, you know, even things like I was watching another show, um, that I won't name, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, and they had two people that were dating and one of them was super religious and the other one was an atheist and she was willing to look past it. And then she came to the realization not long after that she wasn't willing to look past it, but she was initially willing to look past it. So it just shows how easily we're able to, not not all of us, but a lot of us are are able to um, forego our own values in order to be with someone. Yeah, and I think um, like a big question from all of that that I get from clients is like, oh, but like, what if they change, or what if this, or what if that, and like it's not my advice or my standpoint that people can't work on it. Like if they're avoidant that they, like, like you said, like your partner was pretty avoidant. Like it doesn't mean they can never come to the table, but there has to be some act, like there has to be some activity there showing you that they're willing to work on it. If they're just like playing out, showing you that they're not willing to come to the table at all. That's when I'm like, go on girl, just like, or guy, whoever but if they're showing you that they're willing to work on it then it can be a different story but you both have to be willing to have those hard conversations totally and it's always so amazing like once you get past that discomfort and nobody wants to be uncomfortable but once we get past that it just creates such connection doesn't it yeah and I feel like when when when, like it is hard in the beginning of a relationship to do that but when you start to have those conversations all the time the uncomfortable actually starts to become comfortable because it makes you trust the other person a whole lot more and it creates safety to be able to express yourself in that way and say like oh hey I'm not really feeling loved at the moment because of this and I'm making it mean that like what do you think about this can we talk about it like that's not a when when you say it like that really quick and calm it's not actually that hard of a conversation but it's what we actually blow that conversation up into when we're triggered and that's why it's hard. as you said before it's the story yeah we make the situation mean this which is a story but when we actually break it down and just focus on the emotion um, without the story it's as you said as simple as saying i'm feeling blah 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 and there's no power there's there's no um there's power in that 
Yeah, so and you'll you'll definitely understand all this having a psychology background that when we're acting from our reptile brain and for the audience that who doesn't know what that is, the best way I love to explain this is if you think of an upside down triangle, right? The bottom of your brain, the tiny bit of the triangle, that's your reptilian brain and the top part, so the long part of the triangle, that's your cortex and your cortex is when you're using like your logical thinking, your problem solving and you can communicate really clearly when you're um triggered then you're reacting from the reptilian part of the brain where you actually can't think logically about anything and that's why we catastrophize things and we have a filtered view and it usually comes from our own shame our unmet needs our defensiveness so when you are starting out and you're trying to have these conversations with people it's really important to reflect on what each other is saying as well and make sure that the person has heard you say what you think you've said to them and it wasn't misinterpreted so like as an example after someone expresses themselves it can be as simple as saying what I heard from you was is this accurate and is that what you're trying to get across from me then you're not walking away from the conversation feeling like things are really unclear and that like you don't know if you got your message across oh exactly it just takes away all the guessing Mm. but it's something we forget to do we, we have like a conversation about something we think we know what the other person meant but we never really reflect on what they say or ask them if that's what they've meant and tell them how we interpreted it oh totally and we can just take someone's facial expressions and twist it and make it mean something else can't we <laughs> oh so easily <laughs> amazing thank you so much for all of those um, answers to all those questions that was really powerful and really potent and I think that a lot of people know the basics of this stuff, but just hearing it in a series like this is just really um, touching in, you know, and making it more conscious. So thank you so much. And I wanted to just ask you one final question. What is spirituality to you? Oh, this is a really good question. I'm going to ask because I want your <laughs> um... whatever comes through for you. Yeah, so I've been going down my spirituality path a lot in the last 12 months. And for me, it's being obviously like connected, connected to myself without my ego. But for me, it's also connected to spirit as well. I've been working on a lot of mediumship. So it's trusting my intuition and following my gut feelings rather than getting in my head and um, following like my ego or the voices and the stories. Oh, I love that. Amazing. Thank you so much, Beck. And I'll, uh, just to finish off, uh, where can people find you? So on social media, what are your handles? Yes, so I'm mainly on Instagram and E-C-C-Y.Louise, But yeah, if anybody drops in, feel free to jump in the DMs and let us know what you thought of the podcast. Amazing. I'm so grateful you came on. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, lovely. It's been great. Thank you. Bye. Bye, darling.